Hello everyone and welcome to The Kennel, a podcast about the team of the Mighty West, the Western Bulldogs. My name is Josh Lloyd and for today's show, we're going to be joined by uh, our regular co-host Simon Smith and a new guest today, Sam Kalaki. Sam, Simon, how are you boys going? Good, Josh. Good to have you back, Very Simon. Very good, Josh. Sam, good to have you on for the first uh, first time. Now, Simon, as people would have heard from the first couple of episodes, where can they uh, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, Simon A. Benedict. Okay, you can follow Simon there. You can follow me on Twitter at the Kennel Pod. And Sam, just tell us a little bit about your uh, your background as a bulldog supporter and uh, your uh, your Facebook page that you run as well. Uh, well, when Dad moved over from England, he uh, he moved to Footscray, and so he used to head to all the games. Um, so it's really a family thing. I head down there mainly with my brothers and cousins, and we all sort of had just go down there. Um, I started up the Western Bulldogs Football Club supporters page because not enough content was really being posted on the internet um, about the dogs. Like you get the Herald Sun articles, the Age, all those sort of things. There was nowhere to really go to to have it all there. So with my page, I try and post as many articles um, and news that comes out as it comes out. Uh, look, your, your your Facebook page, I think most people listening to this would have seen it. Um, and, and you're right in terms of Bulldogs Media. That's why we decided to start this podcast because there's just not enough sort of Bulldogs chat uh, amongst uh, amongst the general football media out there. So that's why we're doing this. So it's good to have you on for today's show, Sam. Unlike last week, we're going to be discussing a victory. We uh, we took on Collingwood at the MCG and it was looking in doubt for for a while. But in the end, we overran them. Collingwood were 7-11-53 and the Dogs ended up 11-8-74 for, in the end, a comfortable 20 one point victory but Simon as the game was progressing it didn't uh, it didn't feel that way did it no it didn't feel feel good at all as obviously as we were talking just before we started here um, obviously it was a pretty ordinary game to watch both sides were struggling just going back and forth with possession turnovers and whatnot. it was um, yeah it wasn't a great spectacle but I think yeah in the end we, I suppose we could have you could say we're a bit fortunate that they had zero people to put back on the ground in terms of um, rotations due to injuries. So five goals to one the last quarter. We could have possibly done that without their injuries, but, you know, a win that we sort of, you know, I suppose we're fortunate in a way to get get away with. Yeah, well, that's, that, that is true, I'd say, that we, we are probably fortunate in the end, but I reckon we still might have run over them in the end, even if they didn't have the four guys on the bench. I think that, that Luke Dalhouse mark at the end of the third quarter from that uh, from that kick from Dixon where he, he slid into the into the goal and threw the points and took that grab on the line really started to change the momentum for us. And once we got it rolling in the last quarter, it was tough for them uh, to them to get back. Obviously, with their lack of rotations, we could just get the ball spread it outside and they, they struggled to keep up. Sam, um, how concerned were you as you headed into uh, three-quarter time? Uh, yeah, I was quite concerned. I, I still had faith that we'd come back. I kind of likened it to the Gold Coast game from last year where we come out and I think we kicked 10 goals in that last quarter. I've, I thought we would come come out a bit stronger, but uh, to Collingwood's credit, they were still kept held on pretty tightly considering all the injuries that they had. But I just felt throughout most of the game, our biggest problem was just we just kept handballing in, into trouble. Like we would take a, a mark and we'd set up and then we'd just waste it every time so I think that will change next week I think we'll slow it down a lot well what, what, this is exactly the point this is we we got the ball and we looked to get in dangerous positions 
I would just cough it up, whether it be through a, a bad handball to a guy that was in the wrong position or just a, a kick to a Collingwood player who was 10 metres on his own. And there was a stage there probably in the second quarter where we just couldn't get it past the front edge of the centre square. Like Our kicks were just going to the wrong spot. It's like our entire forward structure was poor. And all season, our forward efficiency entries have been, have been poor. They've been below par, I would say. And We've got kicked our winning scores just by sheer brute force, just by you know, just bombarding the Ford 50 by getting you know, 15, 20 more you know, forward entries, by getting 70 more disposals, just by literally overwhelming them with volume. But eventually we have to improve that conversion. And today it was looking like it was going to you know, get us unstuck. Simon, is there anything that you can see with looking at that that we, we can change, anything that we can do differently? Or is it just a matter of the players just making a better decision or, or feeling more composed? Yeah, it's probably it's it's a good point. We it's sort of hard. I mean, you look at the top stack getters today. We've had Old House, McRae, Libber, and they're obviously excellent players, but they're not sort of silky, you know, elite sort of ball users. And um, even Lachlan Hunter, I mean, they're sort of okay. But you know, guys like obviously we had Matty Suckling back in today, and you can just see the the impact he can have. Even Cal Daniel, even in second year, his his sort of decision making is is excellent. So. I suppose we just got to work with what we have. I mean, the guys, are, you know, they're getting the ball. It's just a matter of making the most of, you know, just making better decisions. Yeah. I think when I look at it, that eventually it, it will click, and it might not click for the rest of the season, but it might click in one or two games. And when that sort of decision making clicks and the forward entries clicks, we'll we'll end up winning by a hundred points because we just get the ball in so often. We had a question come in from from a listener today from uh, from Samuel who says, is it a, and this is a question for both you, we'll start with you, Sam, he says, is it a good or a bad thing that our, that a second-year player is our best disposer? Now, Samuel does not offer any indication of who that second-year player is. I know exactly who he's talking about. Um, Sam, who do you think he's talking about for a start, and do you think it's a good or a bad thing? Or, or would you agree that uh, the, the second-year player is our best disposer? Um, firstly, I would disagree, okay. um, and I think he, he would be talking about Caleb Daniel. Yeah, that, exactly, yep. Um, I think what helps Caleb Daniel is really is his height. I think the way that he's so low to the ground. Like when I used to play footy back in my junior days, um, even the smaller blokes then, they they still had a better kick. I don't. It, it just. Oh, there's no way to really explain it. Um, it's just something worked for the shorter players. Same as Boomer Harvey. Just the way they drop the ball onto their foot. Um, they've got so much control over it. Like when you get a ruckman, obviously you know that they a lot of ruckmen can't kick because they've got big lanky arms and it's hard to get that connection. Um, so I think that's what helps Caleb Daniel. But I don't think he is our best uh, kick in the team. I think that Matthew Boyd, although he's been knocked on it from for his midfield efforts, but his kicking has just gone to the ridiculous heights this year and and the year before. Uh, he went at eighty seven percent today. Um, the, and I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you about Boyd for a sec because he did go at eighty-seven percent, but I still thought thought his kicking was was atrocious today. I'm not sure how they got to eighty-seven percent because some of the kicks he made they weren't pin, pinpointing guys. They were he's, but maybe maybe it wasn't his kicking. Maybe it was his decision making that I was more more concerned about. The amount of times he would grab a grab a mark in in the defensive fifty, he'd wait, he'd go right, he'd stop, he'd go left. He'd stop, and then the umpire would call play on, and the player would approach him, and then you just kick a high ball out to the out to the side. Now that doesn't count as an ineffective disposal if the other team doesn't mark it, but it's still to me not an effective disposal. It's just a waste when he's taking so long. And I would much rather that 
in, in most games, and he's done this, you're right, he's, he's has changed his disposal efficiency over the last two years, but a lot of that has been to do with the fact that he would go, instead of, if he had 20 touches previously, he would have 16 kicks and four handballs. But the last two years, he's been six kicks and 14 handballs, and that's exactly what I think he should be doing. But today, he went back to sort of the old Matty Boyd and had a 15 and nine game, and I would much rather he give a handball to a Daniel running past or to Suckling running past, kicking it out of defensive 50, or if Johannesson was there, he'd be doing it. Just one of those guys who is more actually a, a low... Look, Boyd's fine to do a big kick out to the wing to a, a contest, fine, whatever. But to actually pinpoint someone... In that is semi-contested, I think he still struggles in that sort of zone. He can hit a guy up; it's twenty meters on his own most of the time. But to me, to hit a guy up who's on a lead, leading out to a wing, I would much rather the ball in pretty much most other players' hands than him at the moment. Simon, who do you think is yeah. our, who do you think's our best disposer? Oh, personally, I'd say Matthew Suckling, um, more or less, just because his his ability just to sort of hit targets that probably not many other guys can. He sort of in terms of pass players, he's similar to say a Lindsay Gilby, um, just in terms of drilling a 50 metre pass that, you know, sort of barely goes above waist height. Um, Caleb Daniels obviously been outstanding in terms of his decision making, which was the question that we're alluding to on, on Twitter. Um, but I'd, I'd personally pick Suckling. Yeah, Suckling attempts kicks, and we were talking about this before we went on air, Simon, he attempts kicks that other players won't, won't attempt. So, you see the sort of kicks that Jackson McRae makes. I thought McRae was fantastic today. But the sort of kicks that McRae will make, they'll travel 40 metres. Um, where Suckling gets that extra 15 metres over. And he had a couple today where he released a couple of guys in the last quarter as a kick out of defensive 50 to two guys about 60 metres out on the wing and really got us going there. He kicked out, obviously, that goal at the last quarter. He had another big one in the third quarter where he just gets it over the outstretched hand of the opponent to a guy that no other player really on our team would even dare to attempt. And they shouldn't attempt it because they can't make the kick. And to me, that's that's an important thing because it actually changes what the other team does because you can zone off and, okay, where's this guy going to kick? And most people have a range of 50, but his range is 60. And that extra 10 meters at a pinpoint that travels fast through the air, I think is a real weapon. But we've got to... And it's something that can take a time to, to integrate, but we've got to work out how best to use that sort of weapon because we haven't had that weapon, you're right, since probably since Lindsay Gilby played, which was, well, since Lindsay Gilby was good, probably about four or five years ago. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, okay, we had five guys come in this week. All guys, well, four of them were, were pretty much dead certainties to come back in. Redpath, Boyd, Adams, and Suckling, and then Josh Dunkley came in. Let's start with Dunkley. Sam, I thought he looked tr- tremendous. He took 10 grabs. He kicked a couple of goals. He looked completely settled. How, how did you view his game? Yeah, I thought Dunkley was absolutely fantastic. Uh, ever since we drafted him, I've been just absolutely wrapped with the way that his attitude's gone about it. It's, that like, uh, I can't remember who it was, but someone was saying he was reminds him a lot of Luke Ball. He's like a, th- a 30-year-old, 18-year-old. He's just extremely mature. Um, and he's just taken up to the whole team and into AFL football just perfectly, I think. He was pretty unlucky, I think, to get dropped after those first couple of games. But you know, rotations and and and, and resting and all that sort of stuff it comes comes into it. But he he should definitely hold his spot this week. I think if anyone's going to go out and have a rest, it's probably Toby McLean this week. Would you agree with that, Sam? Yeah, I think Toby's probably is overdue for a rest. He's been um, he hasn't quite hit the form that he had at the start of the year. Um, and yeah, going back to Josh Dunkley, I think the. Sort of the only problem with him at the moment is because he's got to build a tank in his first year. He's got to 
the best spot for him really in our team would be up forward. He's not really going to get, you know, many midfield minutes with the amount of talent we have in there. So he sort of needs to work on his forward craft and basically become a forward over the next season and two, season or two, I believe. Yeah, well, I think that's exactly right. But he did it fantastically today. 18 touches. He took 10 grabs. He had five tackles. He had four inside 50s. He kicked two goals. I don't know how much more you could ask from a guy like that. He took four grabs inside Ford 50 as well to lead the team there. Simon, I thought he looked completely at home. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, we've had a pretty good record this year so far with sort of first-year guys. And um, obviously the last couple of weeks we've had Bailey Williams and he was obviously stiff, just maybe a little bit unlucky to, to go out this week. And um, Dunkley's, you know, just another guy we've picked in the last sort of year and a half under... Um, the new coach who's just sort of found their feet really quickly. So hopefully, you know, he can sort of find, as Sam was saying, find a good spot up forward. To, to me, it's going to be like when uh, when Dullhouse first broke into the team and he was at forward exclusively for almost the first three seasons. And it's just taking him time to work himself into a midfield role. Now, he was absolutely tremendous today and yeah, and won the um, the, the Rose medal for, for best, best player on the ground. He had a, a ton of touches and he was you know, he's worked his way way more into the midfield this season and last season than his first three seasons and it takes time to to build that up and that will happen with Dunkley but once he does I think he's going to be a tremendous midfielder and every, ever since I saw him play in that uh, the first intra-club uh, practice match you could tell that he he just fit fit in and looked right at home and and again I have my my hidden sources in the team but they, they all love him and they they really you know value him as, as a key a key part of this midfield group and the forward group and think he's going to be a real key factor throughout this whole season which as a guy that was picked in the 20s it's a pretty it's a pretty fantastic result for us the rest of the guys that come in I think they all just did exactly what we wanted them to do we've talked Matty Boyd already we've talked um Matty Suckling already Sam, Marcus Adams, just back doing what he needed to do, or do you think he looked a little bit off? Um, I think there was a, probably one contest you could probably knock him on, but yeah. other than that, he was just incredible. Like, how we got him is still is unexplainable, how no one had been looking at him and how he came to us at, I think it was pick 35 in the end, it was, it was 34. Yeah, it was, it, was pretty, it was pretty late. It was end of, end of the second round, I think sounds about right. But yeah, he, apparently the West Coast were really keen on him, but they ended up picking up uh, Thomas Cole. Um, but yeah, he's just, just yeah, he's. I would say he's our best defender currently, our best key defender. He's or he's more advanced than Roberts and Hamlin. I would, I would think. Uh, absolutely, definitely. absolutely. He's, he's Mor- Dale Morris was fantastic today. He he did a great job. Eastern Wood is superb, but in terms of a more of a marking guy, Adams has definitely got that key position role. And I, I can. I, I was really. I was really surprised that Collins um, got uh, dropped after only getting the one crack, but what can you do when you've got Adams who basically needed to come back into the team? Yeah, Collins, he, he didn't. He wasn't horrible against GWS, but he also wasn't fantastic, or he, or he wasn't, I'd say he was below average. So with a guy needing to come back, I can understand why. I think he'll still be good, but I can understand why, uh, why he went out. And uh, Simon Redpath coming in, it, it just... It makes the forward line. The forward line didn't function fantastically today, but I think it would have functioned worse if he wasn't playing. Yes, definitely. You can, you can sort of just tell. I mean, obviously we had a couple of guys there filling in last week, but you can sort of tell the red pass a natural, just a natural forward. And um, whether or not he's, you know, getting a truckload of possessions. I mean, he obviously got 17 today and nine marks, and um, he, he just, yeah, he, he just gives a presence and. Obviously, it helps Stringer out. Obviously, Stringer had a bad one today, but it, yeah, it just it just sort of gives gives the place you know 
just a settled sort of forward line. Yeah, look, absolutely. He does that. He provides that sort of structure. But he played a lot more up the ground today, which I don't. It's something that I've been a bit critical with him that I never wanted him to leave the Ford Fifty because every time he would leave it, he was either too slow, he couldn't turn, he couldn't put defensive pressure on. He um, he wasn't able to provide a decent option. But today he actually did that. He was leading up, taking grabs on the wing, turning around, you know, hitting hit Dunkley in that inside the square um, on that goal that he kicked to put us in front in the in the last quarter, which is something that I never would have really um, picked him for over the last couple of seasons. But he has improved a huge amount this year. And I think he's the way he's playing, we need that big guy down there to, to fill that role. And he's uh, he's doing it well. And it's going to be tough for Tom Boyd to come back. And, and Boyd should return to the VFL this week. That was the initial plan for him to come back the, the week after they had the bye, which is this week. But uh, he he won't be able to force his way straight back into the team. It's going to take a few weeks and some uh, some poor performances from Redpath, I imagine, to get Boyd back in. Let's go to our 3-2-1. Uh, Sam, we'll start with you. Who are your 3-2-1 uh, dogs players? Uh, yeah, I definitely think that uh, Eastern Wood should have got the three. We'll get the three votes. Um, I think he's worked down back. He took 13 marks. Um, I'm not sure how many were intercepts, but I would say most of them were. Um, he was just incredible down back. The captain is stepped up ever since Bob Murphy's gone down. Um, and that goal that he kicked to, I think, give us the – was it the break, the 10-point lead? Or yeah, 10-point lead. Yeah, the, yeah. To give us the lead or a 10-point lead, no, I think. 10-pointer, yep. Yeah, yeah, that was just uh, a captain's goal. We needed it, and that's what really cruised us to uh, to come home. I'd say the two votes would go to Dale House. He had the 37 disposals. He obviously won the medal, um, and he kicked a goal. He was just worked hard all day. I reckon he's the, probably the number one player that put in the four-quarter effort. Um, and the one vote, yeah, I'd have to give that to Matthew Boyd. I just I thought he was he worked pretty well. He had a defense when we needed him to. Um, a couple of those balls that were going to Jared Blair, he could have really got out the back and hurt us. But I thought Matthew Boyd stood up well down back. Yeah, I think that that's all fair enough with those. Um, Boyd did some some big body work as well. We had some you know, big crunching tackle on, on I think it was on Grundy early on in the game, um, and in. He's he's a key player for us in terms of providing those sort of intercept and zoning off. I still I still wish he wouldn't kick it as much, but I can't uh, I can't have everything. Simon, who was your three two one? Yeah, I'd, my uh, one vote I'd probably give to Jackson McRae. Um, you'd probably give it to half a dozen guys. They're all very similar in terms of their output. I mean, he had thirty two touches, ten tackles. I thought he was you know pretty much consistent throughout the game. Um, two, I'd give to Eastern Wood. I thought, you know, the, the amount of intercept marks that he took um, was just outstanding. I mean, for, it was probably his best game for the year and it was a really sort of timely game because we we sort of, you know, obviously we've been down a little bit down back with sort of guys out and he's, I thought he stood up fantastically. And uh, Luke Dalhouse would have to be the three votes. Um, just a fantastic, fantastic uh, performance over three and... Um, he sort of just—he just tried his guts out, and it was just outstanding. He had 27 handballs today, Dalhouse. He had 37 touches, which equals a career high. He had six grabs, kicked a goal, had six tackles. He was everywhere. He, he tries so hard for this team. He, he's such a defensive presence, whether it's in the midfield, in the forward line. He actually had four rebound 50s as well, so he was working down the back as well, which is not something he normally does. And put together some some tremendous numbers. To me, Simon, I had the exact same three, two, and one as you, Dalhouse, Wood, and McRae. Um, 
McRae, I thought, was really underrated in what he did today. He had another 32 touches. He laid 10 tackles, and he's such a key guy to us, linking up between that kick out of defense that goes to the back long, or goes to the wing, and then taking it from the wing and centering it into the corridor to get the next kick going. He is just that guy who's always in that spot and, and is playing the role fantastically at the moment. And he's so, I don't know if underrated is the word, but maybe underappreciated. I saw some uh, some posts on uh, one of the Bulldogs' uh, Facebook posts during the week, some comments um, talking about who was going to come out for, for Redpath and Boyd and all those guys to come back in. And it was, oh, yeah, got to, got, have to drop McRae. I, I, I don't know what game they were watching for a start, but he is he is absolutely a key cog to what we do in the midfield. Cause that, that is a ludicrous statement to me that, to say that McRae should be dropped. Oh, I don't know. I can't even answer that. I mean, that's just, yeah, that's just plain absurd. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who said that, but that's, yeah, it's ridiculous. It was, it was more than one person. Yeah, as well. You read on those things is crazy. <laughs> if, if you go into the Western Bulldogs Facebook page and read the comments, your blood pressure rises at least 20. It, it, it's just... Sometimes I get in there and I have to respond, and then I go, "Josh, don't don't respond. You can't respond to these things, but but you have to because it's just ri- ridiculous." <laughs> some of the things that get said in there, they're just plain like, "Do you have you ever watched football before?" Because that is some of the comments that that come on in there, and I, I can't I can't understand how you have that opinion. Anyway, enough talking about that because I'm going to get my blood pressure up here again. All right, Simon. So now we're going to look at our uh, unsung hero. So a player who doesn't normally get the media plaudits that some of our other players might get. Who do you have as your unsung hero for the week? Uh, I'd probably give it to Caleb Daniel, to be honest. Um, I don't think he's sort of a household name. I mean, he's obviously he's getting a building up in name in terms of his um, obviously his height and what and that he's only a second year player and whatnot. But um, I just thought he, I just thought he, he had the most sort of I don't know awareness and sort of common sense during the game in terms of making decisions and where to kick the ball and um, and I just thought just his creativity was was just you know was something we needed with just the amount of turnovers that we were causing throughout the game so um, just the fact that he's improved so quickly is just amazing so he'd, he'd be my one today Sam who is your uh, unsung hero for the week uh, I reckon I'd give it to Tory Dixon this week I think it's his probably been his best game for the year he, the way he contributed yeah the 19 touches two goals three goal assists um and he went at 78 percent, which isn't too great but it's uh not too bad as well so i'll give it to tori dixon this week i think that's a that's a, a brilliant pick actually that goal that he kicked at the end was fantastic you know, a couple of moves that nice spin and running into an open goal which effectively you know eastern would put us up that 10 points but dixon's goal effectively sealed the game for us and as i was mentioning on last week's podcast dixon's great i just really worry every time he steps outside ford 50 but inside ford 50 he's a maestro at, at setting goals up at kicking them and being in the right spot at providing a lead-up target he can take a grab he can do numerous things and i agree with you it's taken him a while to get sort of everything back after missing that time with his uh, groin issue but it was yep. his uh, was his best game of the season my uh my unsung hero of the week i'm gonna give it to jordan roughhead he doesn't um doesn't get a lot of stats he didn't have a lot of stats in this one he had uh, 12 touches but he had 15 hit outs and him and tom campbell once again combined to you might debate whether they beat the opposition rockman but they definitely nullified them and when you come up against rockman who who can have an influence, like we saw with Todd Goldstein, Max Gorn, um, Shane Mumford last week, Brody Grundy today. The fact that they can go in there and nullify them and make it a non-issue, 
when we've been you know, butchered at times through the ruck. He took a few couple, a couple of nice grabs. He, he can get down low. He gave out a few nice handballs, had a couple of clearances, a couple of quick kicks out of the pack. I thought that this was probably his best game for the season as well, and he's a guy that does get maligned you know, pretty often, but I thought this was uh, Roughhead's best performance. What do you make of our ruck division, Simon, at the moment? Um, Campbell and Roughhead handling things pretty well. It's going to be tough for me for Minson to, to get in ahead of those two guys. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I think they are sort of doing a good sort of tandem role. We've had games, obviously, in the last month. We've had sort of Max Gorn and Todd Goldstein and those sort of blokes, and they haven't sort of set the ward on fire against us. We've probably broken even or even possibly, you know, sort of edged ahead. So uh, the way they're going, I don't think there's going to be sort of any drastic measures taken there in terms of the rucks. Obviously, Tom Boyd coming back might push Roughhead down back as a possibility, but the time being, I think they're both pretty safe. Sam, how do you view it? Do you, do you see Campbell and Roughhead being a, a one-two ruck punch through the year, or are you advocating for Minson to come back in? Um, it's hard to really say. I am a I am a massive Minson fan, but I to the, at this point, I don't think he really has a future um, at the Bulldogs, as big of a call that is. But I don't think he'll be playing with us next year. Though just the way that the games change and the way that we want our players to play, um, I don't think Minson can fit into the team, which was it was really surprising to have um, for him to be included in the ins this week, but then not actually get called in. It's sort of a bit of a tease to him. I think he's working extremely hard in the twos, but he's not actually able to get the call up. He's, um, he's been... But as far yeah. as... Go ahead. You go. go ahead. Uh, yeah, as far as Ruffy uh, with your unsung hero, yeah, I think that was a great choice. Uh, that would have been my other choice if I hadn't have chosen Tory Dixon. Like, although he didn't hit up the stat sheet, looking at his stats, they don't look that impressive. But I thought he was um, much better than what they showed. He was very effective today. Yeah, I thought he was fantastic. And everything you mentioned about Minson, I think, spot on. You say he doesn't have a future at the club. I think that's pretty much accurate. Now, if one of these guys goes down, you know, Roughhead or Campbell, you would think that that Boyd will be the first play- choice to replace him because he'll play up forward and he can play in the ruck. Putting Redpath in the ruck is a, is a nightmare. But you could put Boyd up front. But if Minson has to come in, he will do a serviceable job. But And I can't remember if I mentioned this exact stat, exact stat last week. Me and Simon were talking about Minson and... We're talking about him no. in terms of his ability to take a mark. He okay. I'll, I'll let you guys have a guess. Um, Simon, how many marks do you think Wilmington averaged last season? Give me a round figure. I think it was. I think you mentioned it was one and a half to two. Yeah, it was one point seven. Sam, what about the year before? What do you think he might have averaged that season? Uh, was that his All Australian year? No, it wasn't. I think it was the year, bef- year before his All Australian. Oh, actually, hang on. Year no, after, yeah, Australia. year after, year after he's all Australian. Yeah. Um, well, I'd say probably two. Okay, I think he was at one point six that year. What about he's all Australian? Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably time to go two again. Yeah, it was le- less than two. The last three seasons, he's averaged less than two grabs a game, and for a guy who's also slow and can't take a contested mark, can't take an uncontested mark, to me, if you can't take an uncontested mark, it means that he's not able to get into position, right? Because these guys can create some sort of link-up option, 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 but he doesn't. He just doesn't get out there, and he does a lot of great work in the, in the guts and in the clearances, but Bontempelli's almost filling that role as a big body guy in there who clears some space and Libba's in there doing that as well. I don't really see how he how he fits unless a couple of injuries befall our, our tall men stocks. Um, 
Okay, well, injury update. We've got nothing really major to happen in terms of injuries. No injuries coming out of this game at this point, thankful, thankfully. I don't think we're going to get anyone back. Kobe Stevens, maybe, but he looked um, not great last week. We talked about it on the show, Simon, that he didn't look right at all, and he's gone back out with that abdominal issue. It's obviously causing problems with his kicking. He had no penetration at all. I would say that he's likely, unless you've heard anything else, Sam, he's likely to miss again. Yeah, I, I would think he'd be still a couple of weeks away. And uh, Tom Tom Boyd will, will return through the through the VFL, but no one else. You know, JJ's still got about four or five weeks left until he returns. So no no force changes through injury or suspension this week, but a possibility that um, uh, McLean might be rested if they're looking to bring another guy back in. Maybe Bailey Dale, maybe Bailey Williams, or they might not make any changes. I guess it it depends on on how they're looking at, at the because uh, Footray didn't play this week, so we didn't get any standout performances there to see how that uh, to see how that worked out. Um, one thing I'd like to mention about the game is early on, first quarter, Dale Morris um, against Darcy Moore on the boundary slid past, uh, slid past Moore, and Moore was about to to get get going and give a handball. And Morris, while he was sliding out of bounds, laid a tackle laying on the ground just by putting his arm on Moore's arm and grabbing him by the waist as he slid out of bounds. And to me, that's it's a, such a minor. Uh, play it's such an inconsequential action but it's just typifies what Dale Morris does to the team and little things that he does that prevent opposition fast breaks or prevent opposition transition and prevent opposition goals and to me it's just something you put on as a highlight and this is what Dale Morris was and this is the sort of player he was just a smart little tackle that just stopped Collingwood breaking out and kicking an early goal and it's just something that no one probably even remembers, but if you go back and watch the first quarter, it's about halfway through, you'll see it on the boundary on the boundary line uh, closest to, to the camera. It was just a great little move that he put on, and it's exactly the sort of thing that experience brings and why he's such a key part of what we do uh, down back. Um, let's go through the rest of the team. I think we've pretty much covered everyone. Is there anyone else we haven't really touched on? Um, Libba. Libba, Libba and Bontempelli. Okay. Sam, Bont was... was slow today he one touch in the first quarter six to half time I think how, how do you see it is it is it a good sign that we're able to actually play well through the midfield without him anything anything that you could see in terms of what he did that you know, could could require improvement or was it just one of those days where they just tagged him out of it and let other guys step up um, I think it sort of it fell on us I don't think we, he really got any help with that tag in the first and second quarter I sort of I watched a few of the content. Greenwood wasn't even watching the ball. He was holding on to him and rolling all around him and just doing anything he could to him. And I didn't see one bulldog come across and lay a bump or, you know, try and switch. Or there was just – I don't think the bulldogs were ready um, for Bondapelli to get tagged or they wanted to maybe uh, teach him how to work through it or – I don't know, but yeah, it was very weird. He st- he did all right in the second half. He started when he started to break it, and he started to come into it. Um, but yeah, I think it was just an off day with the tag um, it, on him. He was key in the last quarter. He got quite a few clearances, quite a few handballs, but he couldn't get his hands on the ball in the first quarter. And I think that might be something that we might be lacking in that midfield as someone to go in and really help to break a tag because Hunter's not going to be able to do it. Um, McRae's not a guy who's going to go in and help break a tag, really. Dalhouse, maybe. Liver, to a degree. But there's no one who really, you can think, go in there and be that guy. Like, maybe you throw Matty Boyd into the midfield for five minutes and, and let him run through and just try and block out Greenwood with, with a bigger body and, and positioning and size. But there's no one else that really stands out to be someone who who can really assist Bontempelli in getting free? Is there anyone you could see that play that role, Simon? Uh, not, not on ball because most of the guys aren't. 
obviously Bonapelli's about six foot four, but most of the other guys have, you know, sort of fairly shortish in terms of, you know, physically. But oh, it's, as Sam was saying, it's probably just a team thing in terms of being aware of, you know, if, if some guy is getting a hard tag, which he was today. I mean, you saw a couple of times, I think in the first quarter, they might have just had a few scuffles between themselves. But um, yeah, it's probably just an awareness thing and getting used to it because you don't see, there's not a lot of just hard tags like that anymore. It's more just team defence and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's probably just an awareness for all the other teammates. Exactly. Now, look, he was still okay. He still led the team in inside 50s. He had five of them, so it wasn't like he was completely invisible, and he was a key cog in that second half. And I think the same goes with Libra as well. Libra finished with 31 touches, but to me, they were almost invisible, those 31 touches. Maybe I just wasn't seeing it, but I thought he really struggled, especially early on as well, and he just didn't seem to be really having much of an impact. Simon, did you see it a different way? Did you think that Libra had a decent game, or that 31 just feels like a misleading number to me? Yeah, it's one of those things you don't really notice a lot because obviously he's in and under and he's not sort of running and streaming down the ground and kicking 65 metres or anything like that. But um, you could just sort of see he was always in there and whatnot and getting, you know, whether he had 31 or 21, sometimes it's you couldn't really tell the difference. You know, he might get a truckload of tackles or something like that. That might stand out. But um, I thought, but also another player probably have mentioned is um, Shane, Shane Biggs. He's probably been down the last couple of weeks. I thought he was... Um, Really consistent and used the. I thought he used the ball fairly well, considering the game conditions. So I thought I thought he was an improvement from what he lasted a couple of weeks. Yeah, Sam, I was just going to ask you about Biggs. To me, it, well, Simon says I think it was probably his best game in the last month or so. How did you view Biggs's performance? I to agree with uh, the both of you there. I think Biggs was that probably was his best game of the year, and he has been not at his best form in the last few weeks. Um, I think he's sort of his run out of half back without Murphy and JJ um, is absolutely crucial. I don't think we could. There's no other player in our team that can sort of fill that void. Um, so it was good to see him actually play a, a good game today. Yeah, so he got the ball a fair bit. He had 26 touches. He, he you know, delivered the ball four times inside Ford 50, which is that, that exact Johannesson role that you mentioned, getting it at halfback, but also pushing through and kicking it inside Ford 50. And we haven't really seen any sort of confidence from him in the last couple of games, so it's good to have him back on board playing like that. The only other player who I don't think we've mentioned today is, is Mitch Wallace. I thought he was he was a little bit off his game. He only ended with 19 touches. He still did the, the standard uh, hard things that he normally does in there, but he was just a little bit off his game, I thought, overall with his performance. Simon, what did you make of uh, Mitch Wallace's performance, or what did I miss something? Oh, no. He, yeah, obviously, his touches are down. He probably wasn't at his you know 100% best. He turned the ball over a few times, but um, just being up at the game, he was you know 100% relentless and smothering, and you know he's, he was going... You know, full bore. He was always in the bottom of the packs and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, it wasn't his you know sort of classiest or most polished sort of game. But he was still he was still thereabouts. Someone had a uh, a quote on Mitch Wallace maybe last week or the week before. Is is the type of player that is good at making other players great. And I think that's a really apt description of what he does. Like, he doesn't go out there and end up with 30 touches and, you know, big runs down the wing and, and flashy bounces and bullet passes, but he gets in there. Maybe he's that guy that can really get in there and allow Bontempelli to, to break a tag, but he's the other guy who gets in there and enables the other players to actually be great and just a, a perfect sort of team player. And I don't think we'd function anywhere near as well as what we do without him. Despite somewhat of a down performance, he still does everything to allow the guys like McRae, to allow Dalhouse to do what he did, to allow 
allow Hunter to get free and get his 30 touches again. I think that he's key in that sort of role, and uh, he plays it to perfection. A, a real selfless sort of act is the way that he goes about his footy, I think. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, he, he's... Um well, he's probably in his, what, fourth or fifth year now. So, I mean, he's sort of becoming one of the real leaders in terms of the midfield, obviously, with Boyd, Matthew Boyd sort of playing back and, and whatnot. So, I mean, it's a it's a pretty young midfield and he seems to be, you know, almost the most – he's probably as physical as someone like a Liam Pickett and those sort of guys in terms of um, just sort of setting a tone for the game. And, yeah, so I thought even though it wasn't – a standout game I thought he was still he was still very good yeah that's that's pretty I think that's pretty accurate that he was and he was he was good without being superb um Sam anything to add on Wallace yeah I, I think that we're, we're still sort of just waiting for him to uh break out like I think he has a lot more potential than sort of what he's shown us so far I, I liken him to more of like a Scotty Thompson um from from the Adelaide Crows yep um I think that he can, in the future, just absolutely rack up the ball and really become that contested ball that we need in there. Well, we saw him sort of take on that role last last season when uh, when Libba was out, and he played basically uh, Libba's role, and he was racking up possessions at a high rate. He moved forward, he started taking marks, he started kicking goals, and obviously, I think he's been his performance has been tempered by the return of Libertore, who's just slotted straight back into that in and under role, and that's limited what Wallace can do there. But I, I do agree, he's got tremendous potential, and if we didn't have these other guys ahead of him, like Dalhouse, McRae, Libba, Hunter, yeah, Bonson, Pally, he'd be in there, he'd be getting thirty touches every game, he'd be getting yeah ten tackles and he'd be that guy who'd be putting up those numbers. But for now, again, it's a, a testament to his unselfishness. He just does the role that he needs to do, bobs up with a goal, provides an assist, lays some key tackles, and does everything that's uh, absolutely key in what this team needs through the middle. And I think that's uh, it's a pretty admirable quality for, for a guy like that to sort of sacrifice some of his own personal stats, which he, which he had last season, not care about it, but get in there and do everything he needs to, to boost this team and get them as high up the ladder as possible, which is something we're all uh, we're all hoping for. I don't know if there's much yes. more. Yeah, well, of course. I don't know if there's much more that we're uh, we've got to talk about from this game, Simon. Any other takeaways you had out of it? Um, I'm not really. You know, it was just a. I think it's just one of those ones where you're just sort of happy to, at the end of the day, to, to win because obviously we were trailing for a good portion of it, and as you mentioned, the sort of the, the goal towards the end of the third third quarter by. Um, by Dalhouse, you know, sort of, it did sort of send, tend to sort of um, give us a bit of a boost into the last quarter, and um, hopefully, you know, sort of give us a bit of a momentum for next week. Obviously, it's going to be a big game next next week against West Coast, and um, obviously, they haven't been amazing away away, but you never know. Obviously, they made the grand final last year because they're a pretty good team, so it's going to be a very good game. Sam, any uh, late takeaways from this Collingwood game, or any look aheads to uh, to West Coast? Um, I was just, yeah, same as you guys, just stoked to get the win in the end. It really didn't look like it was going to be our day. It sort of seemed like the North Melbourne game where we just, maybe we just really wouldn't get it going in the end. Um, and as for next week, um, yeah, I don't really have much to say for next week. Next week, it's good to be back at Eddie Head. I think that's a key part of that. I think that look, West Coast comes off a game against Gold Coast, which is obviously not a tough challenge. They ended up smashing them. 
it's going to be interesting to see the way that we actually uh, go ahead and, and name the team. With we know what they're they're big forwards, but I think that we can uh, get the midfield dominance over them. I think we've got. I think we should go in as favourites, whether we do or not remains to be seen. But heading over here at Eddie Howe, I think we should be favourites, and I think we've got a, a pretty decent chance of knocking them off. The game today was poor. It's good to get a victory when you play as badly as that, and when you make as many mistakes and as many turnovers. I think that's something that good teams need to do. You're always going to have off days, and when you have an off day and get a victory, it's a massive bonus because you wouldn't you much rather be sitting 7-3 than sitting at 6-4 and four, and that's where we are even though we're at, we are 6 on the ladder it's a lot better than being pushed down in that bunch between 8 to 12 so 7-3 is a pretty good result at, at round 10 and uh, look to, to bump it up to 8-3 eight, eight and three next week Sam thank you for uh, for coming on today no worries I've uh, enjoyed it just uh, remind everyone uh, of your fantastic Facebook page and uh, what it's called and where they can go and like that yeah, so it is the Western Bulldogs Football Club Supporters page, and you can like that on facebook.com forward slash WBFC supporters page. I'm sure that uh, most I'm people sure that, that listen to this podcast already uh, already do that and already like that page because it does have uh, tremendous information that comes out each week, Sam. So, uh, so thank you for coming on. Simon, remind everyone where they can find your musings on Twitter. Oh, at uh, Simon A. Benedict. You can follow me on Twitter at the Kennel Pod for any Bulldogs-related talk. I also have uh, another uh, Twitter account which is more basketball-related, and that is RedRock underscore Beeble. If you've got any NBA interest, you can follow me there. You can find this podcast on uh, on the Facebook page at facebook.com/slash the Kennel Podcast, and you can subscribe in iTunes. And uh, there's an RSS link as well that you'll find on the Facebook page where you can uh, subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We've got a few, um, hopefully, a few past player guests coming up in the next couple of weeks, so that should be pretty exciting. I'm going to organize them over the next few weeks. So a bit of a chat with some of the former greats of our club. So looking forward to that. Boys, thank you for coming on and thank you for chatting after another victory. Thanks, Josh. It was good fun. No problem, Simon. Sam, Thanks, Josh. You? All good. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. <laughs>